I remember childhood friends that I hadn't spoken to in years, years, like some of them decades, came to my dad's memorial and it rocked me to my core. I had even a couple of photography clients that I photographed once. I had met them once. They showed up. I had never felt so loved. It was like such a wave of emotion where I just remember sobbing, especially at the sight of those childhood friends because like they knew, they knew my dad personally and that was just really, really special. Good morning, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so grateful that you are spending this time with me from wherever you are. Today, I'm going to talk about the subject of grief, which is something that I speak of often. And if you've been following along for a while, then you most likely know the gist of my story. If you're new here, you can go back to episode one, where I talk about it a bit there. It isn't something that I hide from. I speak about it often because it's both healing to me and I hope healing to others who are going through much of the same. It's a bit of a taboo subject, the subject of grief, losing people we love and the daunting process of it all, the trauma that comes along with it. And it's something that isn't talked about in raw form that much. And that's something that I'm always hoping to change. I wish that this could be more of an open conversation, a way to ensure that we're honoring the process rather than running away from it, and most importantly, being able to support each other rather than silence each other. So a recap on my story. Um, In March of 2010, my dad was diagnosed with a tumor in his head just three months after he had celebrated his 60th birthday and his retirement from a company that he and my mom built tirelessly um, from the ground up. The tumor was cancerous, and it was a rare type called nasal pharynx carcinoma, and it's a cancer that lives in the sinus cavity and the nervous system at the base of the skull. So what we would learn pretty much right when he was diagnosed is that anything within the head is immediately stage 4, So he was admitted to Northwestern Hospital in Chicago and started chemotherapy the same day with me, my mom, and my three sisters all there alongside him. So what, honestly, what felt like a month was actually only about two weeks of us living at the hospital. I could draw you a map, I swear, from memory of that place. And like, I could try and I could describe the smell so accurately As much as I wish that I couldn't, I can. I can still hear the elevator music, and I can still taste the pastries we would have from Abampin, the coffee shop we'd frequent every morning. I remember going in rotation with my mom between the hospital room cot and a large blue stiff recliner chair. I remember my job at the time sending me flowers and allowing me to take a month off from work. Penn Schoen in Berlin. I love you. Forever grateful for that. I can remember the personalized t-shirts we wore to make him, to make my dad laugh. Um, I remember reading Ellen's joke of the day on Twitter each day to try and keep things light. 
And I remember one of our nurses who happened to be my sister's childhood best friends. And I remember sleeping in the blue chair next to my dad, um, administrating his morphine so that he wouldn't feel an ounce of pain, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to let them be in control, but we couldn't bear the thought of him having pain. And I remember a nurse coming in and seeing me sleeping, holding the, holding the morphine drip and tapping my shoulder. And we went to college together. And I remember him just looking at me and saying, like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. Getting ready to tell me I can't do that locking eyes with me and just being like, it's okay. (laughs) I remember it all. I really remember it all. And for the next two years, together as a family, we'd rally as he would go in for routine checkups and then surgery where they would remove 80% of the tumor. We supported him through radiation in the head, which completely takes away your saliva. It burns your face. It strips away your taste buds. It um, really brought a lot of major highs and major lows to his life. And he tried on so many different variations of chemo, some forcing him to lose his hair while others blistered his skin. We would watch him go into a brief stint of remission, which, oh my God, that was just the best year ever thinking that maybe this would all just go away, that life would resume as normal-ish as it could. But then we watched him grow weaker in the fall of 2013. Um, My mom called to see if we could all come down to Florida, where they lived in the winter, just to help her out, to lift up his spirits since he wasn't doing too well. So without hesitation, of course, we were all on a plane. I arrived first, and I remember not even taking a beat before laying next to him on the couch. My mom actually took a video of this interaction and I just came across it and it makes me want to cry thinking of it. It's just so sweet. Um, he, I remember he was stroking my face, stroking my face and just like, you know, when someone's just saying things and they're not saying anything at all. It was really, really great and really cool to rewatch that video. And then when I was a baby, I used to go, no, no, no. It's just like a thing I used to say. And he, and I would like point my finger in such a way. And he started doing that. And he started playing with my hair. He asked if I changed it. He was always very aware, having four girls and his wife, always very aware of any changes that we made. And um, I don't know. I just, I really remember the eye contact. It was strong, and it was stronger than usual, and a silent, unconditional love exchange was happening between the two of us, but what's crazy to think about is only one of us knew the outcome of what the next several days were going to look like, and that person was not me. Within four days, he had stopped talking, um, and he had stopped eating. We'd come to find that the cancer had spread to his spinal fluid, which we learned from his oncologist at Northwestern was untreatable. And the outcome would be really quick. Um, We were told a month or so if this were to be the case. So we arranged for hospice to come to the home in Florida since he was feeling so weak. And within hours, he was on pain medication, like on a drip and being taken care of by all of us and a rotating nurse. And I swear to you, throughout this entire thing, 
And I wonder if any of you who have gone through this process can relate. I just kept thinking that I would just open my eyes and everything would go back to normal. I'd be 25 and my dad wouldn't have cancer, not 28 and about to lose him. It never felt real and oftentimes it still doesn't. And while we were told that we had around a month, just a mere two days later, my sister Brittany and I were sitting by his side holding onto his hands and without realizing it, we watched him take his last breath. It's, I've talked about it before on the blog many times, but it's something I've had to cope with in my grief therapy to such an intense degree and something that I'm working on myself all the time, witnessing something of that magnitude. But five years later, I've gotten to the point where I feel like I can look at it as an honor. I'm grateful to have been sitting next to him and I hope not I hope, I know that he found comfort in that. So that's my story. Half of my makeup left the earth on December 17th of 2013. And since then, my life has never been the same. My purpose changed. My message changed. My morals, my values, my boundaries, everything. It's been richer in a lot of ways, um, which I know probably sounds weird to say. I've found peace in talking out loud about the process and I've gained a new sense of intense perspective that has allowed me to value life in such a different light. I'm not perfect. I ebb and flow just like everyone else. Um, but I've also made friends that I might not have otherwise made due to just being in such a crappy club and having the bond of losing a parent, which has been invaluable and something I'm so grateful for and is a huge reason why I talk about grief publicly as well is to open the invitation to any of you listening or who read the blog or follow me on Instagram, that if you are going through the same thing, one of the only sources of comfort for me anyway was being able to relate with people who knew exactly how I felt. And I noticed it was even different. Like if someone lost their sister, there was still like this piece of uh, this piece where like I couldn't fully relate because I can't comprehend that. Like that is like a whole different area of grief for me than losing a parent. It's n- it's not less than. It's just so different. And so being able to relate directly with people who had lost a parent specifically was really, really helpful and a little healing, to be honest. So it's one of the trickiest things in life, I think, knowing how to be there for those that we love in the specific category, which is why, like I said, finding that club is essential. But if you're on the other side, Let's say it's like your best friend lost their parent or um, your partner lost their parent. What do you say? And how do you continuously show up for someone who's grieving? What do you, is there anything to say? And with this subject, I really want to help because there are so many ways that you can lessen the pain, even just a little. So here are some ways coming from my personal experience that are really helpful. Practicing empathy. Um, It can be a really hard thing to tackle, especially when it comes to grief. Um, I'll make it easy by saying that the worst thing you can do is um, just not showing up. Um, Simply showing up without being asked, let's say to the memorial, the funeral, their home with dinners, and avoiding any of your own personal stories is a really good place to start. I remember childhood friends that I hadn't spoken to in years, 
years, like some of them decades, came to my dad's memorial and it rocked me to my core. I had even a couple of photography clients that I photographed once. I had met them once. They showed up. I had never felt so loved. It was like such a wave of emotion where I just remember sobbing, especially at the sight of those childhood friends because like they knew they knew my dad personally and that was just really really special. And we also had people stopping by on a regular basis with dinners for us to freeze since cooking was just like the last thing we felt like doing. And I guess the moral of the story here is to just show up. Um, The next thing would be to remember that sometimes nothing is best. Don't feel like you need to fill in the silence or speak just to speak. If you have no words, you can either relish in that silence and use action instead. Touch. Touch is really powerful. Or simply say, I have no words. I just have love. Something like that lands really, really heavily. Um, Another thing that I love, I love, 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 is um, when people share their memories of him. So sharing your memories, if you have any, of the person who's passed. Um, It's one of the best things, hearing people speak on my dad's behalf, sharing different stories that they have, what they loved most, um, you know, voicing his values. So honoring your friends or your partners who have you, their their parent by sharing what you remember makes it feel far less scary and permanent than the actual reality. So continue to do this for as long as you possibly can. It's something that even five years later, I am still so impacted by. Another thing is to ask questions. Asking about the person shows a great deal of interest. You'll know right away if someone isn't ready to talk about it or just doesn't feel comfortable talking about it, but this should never put you in a state of fear to not ask, right? So it's it's better to ask and then be told, ah, you know what, I just, I'm not ready to talk about it than just to assume that they don't want to talk about it. So I have people in my life now who didn't get to meet my dad, unfortunately, some of my best friends. So I love when they ask me questions about him. It allows me to bring him back to life in some way and to let others know how valued he was. So again, respect the person that you're speaking with and um, you'll know if the questions are being received or if they're just not ready. Another thing that I really like, this sounds really small and maybe a little bit mundane, but it's not. Uh, Speak on similarities. So whether it's appearance or personality recognizing similarities between your friend or partner um, and their parent is one of the best compliments and one of the kindest things that you can say. Like when I post a picture and someone's like, oh my God, you look so much like your dad. It just like ignites every cell in my body and just makes me feel proud and connected. Another one, don't speak on your own experiences just yet. (laughs) This one's, this one's important. Even the friends who reached out to me who had lost a parent, the magical thing about them was that they didn't bring up their own experiences when offering their comfort. They said things like, it absolutely sucks, or I've got you, or I'm with you. Down the road, it's okay to share your own personal experiences, absolutely, but just give it time. They're still focused solely on their own world being turned upside down, and it's really, it's actually impossible for them to leave their reality and come into yours or even hold space for yours in that time. 
one of the most important, I would dare, dare I say this is number one or number two, don't compare apples to oranges. This is so, so important. Trying to relate is one of the main things that people try to do when someone has lost a parent or a loved one and is going through grief. And while I'm all about human connection and relating, this is an exception. Whatever you do, don't compare the loss of a parent with the loss of an elderly grandparent. The same is to be said about comparing the loss of a friend with the loss of a sibling. While the intentions are pure, they're just not the same thing. Not again, like I said on like I said earlier of like, you know, finding the club of people who have lost parents specifically and not trying to um, bond over you losing a parent and someone losing a sibling. You can relate when it comes to like the process of grief and like how how heavy the denial and like the anger and whatever, all of that. But trying to say, I know what you're feeling when you haven't lost the same relation, especially the grandparent one. I always feel bad when I say that. And I've said it a couple of times, but again, I don't, I don't need to keep saying that. I don't, I don't mean it the way that it sounds because I know that you guys know my intention behind it. But when an elderly grandparent who has had the ability to live this really long, beautiful life dies in their 80s or 90s, it is so sad. I just went through it with my grandfather. It is so sad and it's a loss. But he lived a beautiful, long life. When someone loses a parent, um, especially at a younger age, it, it, it's like an interruption in the circle of life. Like, that's not really how human life is supposed to happen. You're not supposed to die young, right? You're supposed to be able to live out your karmic purpose until you're in your older years. So that's just my point on that. The second one, the second most important I would say is don't say that everything happens for a reason to someone who just lost their parent. While your intentions are meant to be good with this statement and while I do believe in some way that everything happens for a reason, this is a surefire way to lose the respect of your friend. The last thing that your friend needs to hear is that you believe, even with good intentions, you believe that this was just a part of the plan, right? It feels like, it feels like a sword to the back when when that phrase is uttered. So just be careful with that one. Don't pretend like it didn't happen unless your friend has made it abundantly clear that they don't want to talk about it, like I spoke about when it comes to asking questions. Make sure you talk about it. One of the biggest fears of those going through grief and suffering through a loss is that people will forget and that people will expect their friend to resume life as usual. Honoring what happened, whether it's on the yearly anniversary or occasionally bringing up memories and asking questions or just being sensitive to the fact that that is now a part of their story. I hope this helps both you and your friend and I hope it brings peace to your lives and I hope that it's something that we can continue to talk about in such a raw, transparent way. Healing one another from the inside out is one of the greatest powers we're given as human beings and if I can just shed a little bit of light from my personal experience onto you to softly approach 
someone you love going through something so painful so that they can feel both held and understood by you, then my work here is done.